This episode of Arcadia California contains audio glitching effects, including repeating sounds, electronic whines, and static. They occur at several points throughout the episode. If you are sensitive to these effects, this episode may be difficult to listen to. An episode transcript can be found in the show notes. Fade in. Exterior, a redwood forest. Twilight. Full moon rising between trees. Green city limit sign next to dark highway. Dissolve to. Sign. White block letters. Arcadia, California, population 16,179. Freeze frame. Superimpose, episode 16. Voiceover. Friday, May 15th, 2009. More unrelated notes. I think I might have liked my uncle if we'd gotten a chance to meet. It seems like he was, and I say this as a member of that great fellowship, a pretentious-as-hell teenager. Is it irreverent to talk about someone who's dead like that? I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot of experience talking about dead people, which, I mean, I guess that's probably a good thing, but it means I'm missing the finer points of etiquette. Anyway, basically what it comes down to is that I found his journal. I had to think about that etiquette a little, too. Like, am I allowed to read someone's journal just because they aren't around to tell me I can't, or is it still violating their privacy? Does it make a difference that I didn't know him at all and wouldn't be, I don't know, making some kind of judgment about him from what I read? I feel like it would be different if Mom read it. For one thing, she knew him. For another, it's pretty likely there will be stuff about her in it, but me, not only did I not know him, I wasn't even conceived of being conceived when he wrote this stuff. So. I think I'm okay to read it. It's almost like like going through historic documents. No one gets weird about people reading George Washington's journals. Did George Washington keep journals? I don't actually know. But it's okay for me to read these. It's interesting. I mean, I guess that's what I'd call it. There's a lot of standard teen stuff. My parents don't understand. Why is everyone at school so average? My sister is annoying. Okay, the times where he's talking about Holly are interesting too, but for a totally different reason. I I get that he wasn't writing this for it to be read, but it's weirdly hard to remember that. Really, it's easy to start thinking about it as a story or a prop from a movie or something in a video game. Even though it's a clearly handwritten book that was obviously written in stream of consciousness and without editing, it's... I don't know. It's just gotten really easy to think of everything as a narrative, as something imaginary happening to other people that I'm experiencing vicariously even as I know it's made up. Between all the high school stuff, though, and the comments on my mom as a 16-year-old, there's... it's... complicated to explain. I don't want to read a bunch of entries in here. I can always go back and reread them when I need to. It's not like the journal is going to vanish on me, but... Some of this is easier to explain if I just use his words, so I will read a few. Besides, I do feel like sometimes it's better to have things saved in a few places. I keep feeling like I'm forgetting things. I never had that problem before, but I've had a lot on my mind. Anyway, like I said, it's complicated. At first, he doesn't talk a lot about that stuff in general, which makes sense because I don't think most people actually think a lot about the religion on a day-to-day basis, unless they're super into it, but it doesn't seem like Lyndon was. But then he starts to plan. 
But then he starts to plan this full moon rite that he's going to do by himself. I mean, not really by himself himself, with Holly and a couple other people. And he gets really focused on it, like it becomes the only thing. It's really interesting to read about. It's the clearest information I've gotten so far about the actual mechanical ritual aspects of this belief system. It'll be easier to just read it out than try to paraphrase. This journal starts November of 1989, but the stuff about everything doesn't start till December. Okay. December 12th, 1989. Tonight's the full moon, which means going out into the Timberland and standing in the snow for an hour while they fight about what's going to be asked and how they're going to ask it. I keep telling Scott that we should set up our own right for the kids. Most of us don't want the same things as the parents, and I don't see why we should be stuck getting tacked onto their bargains as connected to them or only getting to ask things when they remember and decide they have time to lay out the request properly in syllabary. Scott's better at it than his dad and my dad. I know we could make the request as well as they could, plus they've had years to get what they wanted. It just seems like they should give us a chance. How are we going to step in and maintain the town's bargains if we don't get to make our own? I tried to get Holly to ask Dad if we could set up our own right this time because I know he would listen to the idea if it came from her, but she said it was too dangerous and that we might end up getting into trouble or messing something up. I don't know what she's so scared about. It's not like they're actually dangerous. I don't even know how long it's been since they've wanted something more than blood or tears or memories. The only reason Holly's even worried at all is that she was reading something again and it was talking about how the old bargain was sealed and how we have to keep paying for it. She's acting like that kind of stuff will still happen. I've been trying to tell her that we've gotten better at protecting ourselves and they don't ask for that kind of thing anymore, but she still won't talk to dad, so we go stand in the snow. Then there's a bunch more entries about normal stuff before he goes back to the full moon thing on his own. January 12th, 1990. They shot me down again when I wanted to make a deal for the full moon. Mom and dad both keep saying that I'm too young and that the way I'm writing things out is leaving it too open-ended. I've tried to tell them the only way I'll get better at it is if I actually practice, but they say that you don't practice with something this dangerous and that you get it right first because there are real consequences if you make a mistake. She threatened to tell Dad, but I told her that if she did, I'd tell them that she sneaks cigarettes with Celia whenever they come over for dinner, so she's going to keep quiet. I don't want to go behind their backs, but like they keep saying, we're going to have to take this town over eventually, and we need to know what we're doing. Scott agrees. He's going to ask his parents too, and maybe they can talk mine into being reasonable. If they aren't, we've decided to set things up for the May full moon. That's a long enough time away that we can get the glyphs right and that people will have forgotten about us asking. Then a lot more unrelated entries, even if they aren't directly related because they are a good snapshot into life in the late 80s, but since I'm not writing a period piece or anything, that's a little less useful right now. I'd love to put some of these first names to last names though. I'm probably reading about like Elliot's dad or Cameron's mom or something. I'd love to have that information stored away, but it isn't like Lyndon called them by their last names in his journal. They were just his friends. The next entry about the rituals though is this one. February 9th, 1990. Full moon tonight and an eclipse, which means everyone's getting ready even more carefully than usual. I know that everything's closer on the nights of eclipses, but that should be a good thing. I didn't even bother to ask about holding our own ritual. Dad's on a tear putting salt across every doorway and mom's been putting yarn on the doorknobs. I don't know why they're being so dramatic about this. We've had plenty of eclipses before and we aren't anywhere close to either the solstices or the equinox. I'd understand if we were near them. I know the rules as well as anyone, but the vernal equinox is until the very end of March. It isn't like anything bad is going to happen. They're acting like they've never gotten ready for something before. 
I'm starting to think Holly told them what Scott and I were planning. I don't know what he's talking about with the equinoxes. Everything I've heard so far is to do with the moon. She says she didn't, but she keeps telling me she's worried about me. It's not my fault. I want more out of my life than sticking around Arcadia. I want to get out and do things, see things. And the way mom and dad are, that's not going to happen. I'm going to end up here when I'm 30, running the lumber mill and married to a Baldwin or a Sheridan or a DiCaprio, and I don't want that. If Holly likes it here so much, she can be the one to inherit this house. I've tried to tell mom and dad that, but they say I'm too young to know what I want and I'll appreciate it when I'm older. I know I won't, but they won't listen. So, I'm going to start getting ready. And in May, I'm going to make a deal. And then they're going to have to let me go. From there on, the journal gets really focused, I guess. Like I said, he completely stops talking about normal teenage stuff, and there are just lists of ideas and rituals, and this is where it got hard to remember this is a real thing. It started to read like, I don't know, not a game book. Honestly, it's more like a cookbook than anything. All these lists of ingredients and combinations, and it's kind of creepy because I'd sort of gotten used to reading about normal stuff. Scott's breakup and how Holly had gone out for the cheerleading squad, which, what, really? Amazing. And all of a sudden there's none of that, just mix ink with dandelion petals and paint on a mirror. And also, I can't really take it seriously. It's like he just found the new age shelf at the bookstore and bought everything he could find published by Llewellyn. Anyway, that goes on for a while. Maybe the next quarter of the book, and then he says he's figured out what he's going to do, and that a group of them are going to tell their parents they're sick for the May full moon to do this on their own, and then... That's it. The rest is just blank pages. Which is annoying. I'm not sure what I was hoping to get out of this. Maybe I thought I'd have some answers. At least what mom's hiding that she's so afraid of talking to me about. I don't know. Maybe it's just that Arcadia's religion is as weird and fringe as it is, and she's embarrassed she bought in. Is still buying in. But she sounded so scared. I think I keep waiting for something to happen that will tie all these different parts into one story and then tell me what it means. That's what would happen in a movie. We'd see all the parts, get them all laid out one by one, and then there'd be a moment where it just clicked and suddenly the big picture would come into focus. The more I learn about everything, the more I want something that connects all of it. But this is real life, and stuff like that doesn't actually happen. Monday, May 18th, 2009. Uh, cool if I record? Yeah, sure. Sorry, I know it's probably getting old for me to always want to record. That's fine. So, like I told you, I checked out that journal from the library, and it's the first thing I've seen that has really specific details about how you do things. You know, ritual things, but I don't really know how much of it is accurate, real. I guess what I'm wondering is if you might... Hey, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Sorry, you just seem like you're kind of... Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, I just have some stuff going on. Anything you want to talk about? You're really interested in learning about all of this? Yeah. You aren't planning on putting it in your movie, are you? No. I mean, sort of. I wasn't going to put anything real in. I don't think that would be respectful, I guess. But it's giving me a lot of ideas, and I want to see how I can... I won't include anything that people actually do. Okay. The new moon is this Saturday. I wanted to know if you wanted to... 
Hey, what the? Leah? Leave me alone. Are you? No, wait. Hey, hold on. Mind your own damn business. I'm fine. Just leave me. No. What happened? You're obviously upset. I am not. You kind of look like you are. So what? Even if I am, it doesn't matter. We want to help. Come on, we're going to my house. But what about class? So we missed six period. You've got like an A, right? Mr. McCleary won't care. Uh, are you sure that's okay? Have you never cut class before? No. Uh, I mean, I didn't think you were supposed... Come on. Are you really sure it's... Nico! Okay, okay. No offense, Will, but people in Arcadia are assholes. You're just figuring this out? No. No, I just let myself for one minute think that they might be redeemable. You gonna tell us what happened? What happened is I fell right into a high school movie cliche. You like those, don't you, Nico? I mean, I try to avoid cliches unless there's a really good reason to use... So... Oh, you know, what they do in every movie when they want to make the girl look desperate and stupid. I got a note in my locker that said that someone wanted to meet me between classes. You know, I honestly thought someone was trying to be nice. That maybe, maybe, someone had decided to rise above their insular, cliquish, backwater... It wasn't like I thought I had a secret admirer or anything. I just thought... It was stupid. I was stupid. No one was there? Of course no one was there. I'm sorry. And to make it even more the perfect cliche teen movie moment, the second I realized how much of an idiot I was, Alyssa walks around the corner with Trey and asks so interested what I'm standing around there for. (laughs) So it's just another completely average day in the perfect city of Arcadia where the locals are just so friendly and welcoming you wouldn't believe it. They're all assholes. Like I said, no offense, but I think. You're so much cooler than they are anyway. You're basically the only person in the school, aside from Will, who's worth talking to. You including Elliot in that? You know what I mean. It doesn't matter. I don't want to be friends with anyone. I'm out of here in another year anyway, even if Mom doesn't get transferred again first. It's not like I care what anyone here thinks about me. They can continue to be as big of assholes as they want. I don't care. I'm going to be your friend anyway. Nico probably is too. Only probably. What? I'm your friend. Well, at least you didn't have to stop and think about it. Thanks. No big deal. Monday, May 18th, 2009. The tape ran out on me. It doesn't matter that much, and mostly we just ended up hanging out at Will's and playing video games. We didn't talk about anything important uh, for the movie or my research, I mean. I saw something at Will's house, though, and it made me... 
It was probably nothing. It was nothing. But... Okay. It's probably nothing, or something but not a big deal. But we were in Will's room, he's got a PS3 hooked up to his own TV, and I am incredibly jealous. And there was this paper on his desk. I wasn't looking through his stuff, but it had syllabary symbols on it, so I was curious. Because I thought maybe he'd asked his dad about some of the stuff I was looking at. So I pulled the paper out just a bit. I can't read the symbols or anything, but there was some English on it, too. It sort of looked like he was trying to work out how to phrase things, like Elliot did at the full moon thing. And it's really probably nothing, but the English, the parts I could read, he'd written things like control, payback, success, justice. I'm really sure it's nothing, though. I mean, even if you were trying to figure out how to ask for something, I don't know how justice could be a bad thing. And I mean, maybe it's time for him to get some payback, given how everyone treats him. So it's probably nothing. And if it isn't, it's probably a good thing. I think. Smash cut. Black screen. Over black. Roll credits. Nico McCleary is played by M. German. Will Sudsworth is played by Thomas Fleming. Leah Webster is played by Gwen. Cyrus DiCaprio is played by Vic Collins. Arcadia, California is a production of Law of Names Games. It is written and directed by Lisa Guente and edited by Eric Seguente. More information about the show and its cast can be found in the episode notes or at arcadiacalifornia.lawofnames.com. Fade out. Thrice the brinded cat hath mewed, thrice and once the hedge pig whined, harpier cries, tis time, tis time. Round about the cauldron go, in the poisoned entrails throw. He hasn't come back. I haven't gone to him. I won't. I'll hold to the terms that were redrawn 19 years, 3 months, and 3 days ago. I know my part in this, and what happens if I don't play it. I know. I could see that. When he came back. When he lost himself. The blood runs true in him. More's the pity. He can hear. Enough to be lost. But he can't hear you, can he? Not completely. Like the other boy, he hasn't opened the door fully. Not yet. Then it stays closed. For the time being. No. Those lines aren't mine to say. I won't lure him in. You'll have my help, as pledged. But I won't speak in circles and half-truths. If he walks through because of my words, he'll do it with his eyes open. If he asks, I'll speak straight to the thing. Those are my terms, as they were then. I won't be responsible for the death of another child too young to know which world he belonged to. Go to her, then. She'll spin rings round him for you, if she can remember how to be human long enough not to scare him off. 
or if he can learn to be something else. I know. I won't help him if he doesn't find the questions. There's nothing you can offer me worth that. She would. But then, she's all the same, isn't she? All of one blood. The blood. No matter how much of her was left behind, even though you didn't want her, she would. Because she'd pretend she believed it would change things. What would you do with mine? Half and half will never be whole, no matter who the halves belong to. I'm too old to be won over by implied promises. I'll speak my lines to perfection. I'm an actor, after all. I would not forget that. But if he's found the journal, he'll begin to walk the path soon enough. Just like the other one. I know where I failed then and there. I won't again. But... If he's to be yours in that way, by his choice in action and not by the terms of the great bargain at Solstice and Eclipse, then he will choose. Or not. As he decides. Yes. You'll have him when the moon turns, despite his choice. But he'll have another year with his family before he's yours. I won't deprive him of his own mind earlier than I must. I know what I am. I don't need to be reminded of it. Oh, well done. I commend your pains. And everyone shall share in the gains. And now about the cauldron sing, live elves and fairies in a ring. Enchanting all that you put in by the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes.